Hello, baseball fans, and welcome to Sully Baseball Daily, the podcast we talk about baseball 365 days a year, unless it's a leap year, and then we're going to do another one. I've been doing this every single day since October 24th, 2012, and it is now the 22nd day of September 2016. I'm your host, Paul Francis Sullivan. Please call me Sully. I'm recording from Sully Baseball Studio in Palo Alto, California, the birthplace of Oakland A's manager Bob Melvin and former Detroit Tigers star... Dan Petrie. Hey, um, I'm pulling back the curtain a little bit. I know some of you don't like it when I do that, but I am going to do that, that I'm recording this. It's still the evening of the 21st while I'm recording this. The reason I'm doing that is uh, I I don't know the results of the Giants-Dodger game, and I'll tack on at the end of this podcast uh, my thoughts on that. The the thing I want to bring up, however, is illustrating something that I talked about in the podcast the other day about the 11-game season that the Cardinals, Mets, and the San Francisco Giants are going to be doing for the rest of the year. And the thing, the thing that I pointed out that it's, it's not always an easy thing to do to sort of take a look at the, the schedule and have an idea of, oh, he's, this one's going to be easy, that one's not going to be easy. Uh, and, and tonight is the, the greatest example that anyone could ever uh, demonstrate about that. Um, on, on the ninth day of September, the, the Mets were one of the wildcard teams along with the San Francisco Giants. And they are now, they're, right now they are five and six since then. They're, they've gone five and six in that period of time. That includes a three-game sweep of the Twins, a dramatic walk-off win on September 17th. Uh, other than that, they lost a couple of games to the Nationals, but looked like, okay, the, I mentioned the other day that they have a soft schedule the rest of the way. Atlanta, Philadelphia, Miami, and Philadelphia again. But what happened today, the 21st, was Atlanta swept them. They swept them. The last two games, okay, the game on, on Tuesday, Julio Turan won. He's a, he's a phenomenal pitcher. The Mets had a 3 nothing lead in today's game. Three bagel. And they wound up not only coughing that up, uh, but it was, they coughed it up in a way where, I mean, look, Cespedes is one of my favorite players of all time. He kind of jogged it a little bit on what he thought was a home run, what was, looked like it was a go-ahead home run in the eighth inning. He wound up getting to second, got to third with, what, with one out. They couldn't bring him in. They couldn't bring him in. The Braves chiseled together a run in the top of the ninth inning. So they turned a 3-0 deficit into a 4-3 lead. And then with... Enough runners on base. I think there was two runners on base. Doesn't matter. It was a fly ball to uh, center field in the bottom of the ninth inning, and Ender Inciarte. It was uh, um, it was Cespedes. That's right. It was Cespedes. Looked like he was going to make up for the you know, the not doing the best job uh, running out that ball. Hits uh, lined out to Enciarte, and it would have cleared the wall 
would have been a walk-off home run. And it would have been one of those moments where we would have heard Howie Rose going bananas. And we would have looked at this and like, okay, that's a turnaround game. That is a turnaround game. And instead, it turns into a gut check that if the Mets miss the postseason, if for the first time since 2007 we have a postseason where neither defending pennant winners have returned, okay, if that happens, we can look back on a series in late, this is late September, it's the 21st of September when this game happened. So, you know, it's not a sort of, well, you know, it's a long way to go. No, 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 no. There's now 10 games left. 10. And you can look at this as a period of time and say, hey, look at the Mets in a period of time when they were neck and neck and neck with San Francisco and St. Louis. Dropped three games to are they the worst team in baseball? In fact, let's go, let's go check that out. I'm going to I'm going to go to MLB.com. I, they're it, either the uh, Braves or Minnesota are the worst team in baseball right now. Let's see, Minnesota has 364. Okay, Minnesota's the worst team in baseball, but Atlanta's the worst team in the National League. And when the games, I hate to say when they matter most because I don't think it's the games matter most because games matter at all periods of time. But this is when you have the least amount of time to make up for lost time. You know, the the Mets lost three out of four to the Colorado Rockies in July. The Mets went on a, what's he, one, two, three, four. They lost uh, six out of seven games in May. You know, there was periods of time where the Mets, they, they got swept by the Marlins. Or no, they lost uh, uh, five in a row earlier in the season. All those games mean exactly the same amount in the, the scheme of things. They dropped those games in Colorado. Those mean as much as the games they lost now. When they got swept by the Arizona Diamondbacks in August, those games mean the same amount in you know, in the terms of the standings. So it's not like that these are the games are the most important, but this is the point of the year where you don't have time to make up for those. You know, it's one of the reasons why I, you know, I look at these, one of the reasons I do Who Owns Baseball is I try to examine how a team plays and how, what, how players contribute along the way. But, you know, the, the Mets were sub-500 in May. They were sub-500 in June. If they were just 500 in those months, that might be the difference between whether or not they're going to play in October or not. But you can't make up those games, but these are the games you're going to look back on, and these are the games that have the most magnification because the pennant race is crystallized. I mean, if you go back to when they lost uh, uh, those four straight games in their Philadelphia uh, and Miami in early April. I mean, the, the, we're talking about there's <laughs> a week of games had been played. 
You know, I mean, the White Sox were in first place. The Orioles were undefeated. The Giants and the and the Nationals had, had each only had one loss to them. So it's sort of like there was no sense of what the pennant race is and what the pennant chase is. But now you know. And so when you look back at the season, if the Mets fall short, it's not going to be people aren't going to say, oh, man, if only they beat the Diamondbacks in what? In August. No one's going to say, oh, man, do you know when they lost the season? When they dropped three straight games to the Colorado Rockies in late July. No one thinks like that. Even though that contributed exactly the amount in terms of wins and losses as this sweep by Atlanta did. But now, every little game comes back to haunt them, and they have a grand total of 10 games to play. 10 games left to make up for this. Now, no one will remember if you succeed down the stretch, nobody, and I mean nobody, remembers whatever failures you have down the stretch. You don't believe me? The, uh, the gold standard of a late season uh, drive is probably the 1978 New York Yankees when they made up all those games where they were trailing the Red Sox by seven and a half games in late August. And at one point down the stretch, they lost one, two, three, four, four out of five games down the stretch. They, had a, they let up a walk-off home run to the Cleveland Indians on September 2nd. No one remembers that. No one remembers that because the only thing you remember when a team comes back and makes up a huge deficit are the successes. Likewise, with Boston, nobody remembers the fact that down the stretch, they had, a, they had a horrible collapse and the multiple losses, and they won one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. They won their final eight games. No one remembers that they won their final eight games. The only thing they remember is Bucky Dent. You remember only the failures and only the successes, depending on the final outcome, because the narrative is written after the fact. So this sweep and the catch by Ender and Ciarte could either be the image that people have forever or something that you totally forgot. Another team, the Giants, in 1993, won 103 games and missed the postseason. And there is a sense, the narrative for that, in, in retrospect, has been they had a huge lead over Atlanta, because back then, stupidly, the Atlanta Braves were in the West. They had a 10-game lead of them in July, but then the Braves acquired Fred McGriff, and the Giants went on a tailspin, and the Braves took advantage and won. And I think that's because between August 23rd and September 15th, the Giants did go on a, on a, on a tailspin. 
They lost one, two, three, four, five. They went on an eight-game losing streak in the middle of the month. And that's what people remember. And the narrative is that they choked down the stretch. The Giants finished that season winning 14 of their last 17 games and 103 ballgames. They won 14 out of 17 games down the stretch. They didn't have a single losing month in the entire season. And yet they've been labeled as a team that choked down the stretch. We write the narratives after it happens. Will people remember Ender and CRT? Or will that be a completely obscure moment? Because remember, the Rockies beat the snot out of the Cardinals. 11 to 1. And as I'm recording this, the Dodgers are beating the Giants. So we may wake up tomorrow and none of the teams in the 11 game season will be having any sense of urgency here. We may go into this going like, yeah, does anyone want this? Because, you know, you could technically win the World Series if you do this. Narratives and how we think about teams down the stretch, it's all retroactive. You know, I remember when the Red Sox were having their horrific collapse down the stretch in 2011. And Jason Keitel, who I had not started the uh, uh, the daily podcast, but I, I had known Jason at that point. He had appeared on the previous incarnation of the podcast. And he kept out down the stretch. He said, come on, where does this rank in terrible collapses? Where does this rank in terrible collapses? And I won't give him an answer. He said, oh, why are you evading it? And I said, because it hasn't ended yet. We don't know how it ends. How can I rank it? it will either go as one of the great collapses of all time or everyone will have forgotten it. No one remembers the collapse of the 2000 Yankees or the 2006 Tigers. Do you know why? Because they both played horribly down the stretch. Horribly. No one remembers that. Because the Yankees won the World Series and the Tigers went to the World Series. You only remember them in retrospect. So... We're going to have to see, moving forward, which one of these teams are going to look back and say, man, we blew it. You know, the Cardinals are going to have a tough schedule the rest of the way, as they're going to be playing some teams that would probably kind of sort of like to knock them off. You know, I mean, it's, I'm not going to go out on a limb here and say that, hey, do you know what? as I open up uh, St. Louis' schedule for the rest of the year, as they're going to be playing, they're going to Wrigley, and later they're going to be playing Pittsburgh, uh, and then they'll also be playing Cincinnati. I'm gonna, I don't think I'm crazy to say that those teams wouldn't mind beating St. Louis. So if you took a look at their schedule and said, like, hey, they've got the Rockies going on, so that's going to be a win where they need every damn win. They lose 11-1. to So using the schedule and saying, oh, that's a win. Oh, they're going to win that. Okay, that's two out of three right there. Like analyzing who has the softest schedule and everything like that is an act in futility. An absolute act of futility. 
Of course, the other thing to keep in mind is the opposite side of that is which teams are going to be resting. The Cubbies, I'm sure they're going to have a, they will want to stick it to St. Louis, but not at the expense of their team getting ready for the postseason. They have bigger fish to fry. They have bigger birds to kill. You know, there's all this talk about this being the Cubs' year and everything like that, and teams could absolutely knock them off. But in order to get into here, we have to see some of these teams show a sense of urgency. And there's no way right now to pick it, because as I said, it's now 10 games. 10 games is the minuscule sample size. And for three teams, that's going to be the difference. And projecting it is stupid because we don't know. Hey, I want to say something, too, because I've gotten a couple people get on me the fact that I was saying that the Nationals have the best chance of potentially unseating the uh, uh, Cubs in their quest to win their inevitable pennant. And I had a couple people point out, hey, you're, you're leaving out the Dodgers. And I said, oh, is it because you like the Giants? I don't hate the Dodgers. I really don't. And you're right. You're absolutely right that you can look at this Dodger team, especially if Kershaw is indeed healthy and Maeda is pitching and some combination of Urias or Stripling or someone can pick up that last uh, few innings or last few spots or Rich Hill, see if he's, hopefully he's not hurt. You know, the narrative in terms of collapses are written in retrospect. Also the narrative of whose year is it in terms of the postseason. That's all retrospect too. You know, it's interesting when I was thinking about some various postseasons over the last few years. There, and even, even just during the wildcard era, there have been a lot of times that when a season, a postseason began, there seemed to be a, oh, a narrative that seemed to be unfolded. Said, oh, get ready for this clash. Get ready for this big clash because we're going to see a matchup of this team versus that team, and it's going to be a clash. I remember the 2014 postseason began. And for those of you who have been listening to the podcast for as long as I've been doing it there, I remember saying that this could be the coming out party for two of the great stars in baseball, Mike Trout and Clayton Kershaw. Mike Trout's finally in the postseason, and Kershaw is going to have a chance to redeem his disappointing ending to 2013. They were the two biggest stars in baseball, and I said, we could be absolutely on a collision course of these two great stars. Those two teams combined for one victory. Mike Trout was out of it before he can say, Jiminy Cricket. And the Dodgers were humiliated by the Cardinals. Remember the narrative about the Nationals in the postseason in 2012? the great year they had, and that they were going to team a destiny and blah, blah, blah. You know, they didn't pitch Steven Strasburg, but then they blew that lead to St. Louis. And I said, you know, they're gone. Absolutely, they're gone. The narrative in 2011, going into the postseason in 2011, the narrative was simple. The Philadelphia Phillies, who had won the pennant 
who won the World Series in 2008, won the pen in 2009, and were edged out of the NLCS by the Giants in 2010, 2011 was going to be their rampage year of revenge. They brought back Roy Halladay, and they were essentially going to level the National League. Yeah, they were playing St. Louis, who were only in the postseason because the Braves collapsed down the stretch. Another narrative. And going into it, it was their birthright to just turn it into their own plaything. And, and I remember saying, this is going to be a Phillies championship year, which would be their third pennant in four years, probably their second championship in four years. And I remember talking to my friend Mike Ferraro, huge Philadelphia fan, saying, if they win the World Series, is this the greatest Philadelphia team in the history of their sport? And instead, they lose the division series. And I bet everyone forgot Philadelphia was even in that. The team of destiny is written in retroactively. The Cubs, as I mentioned, 2008 with the team of destiny going into that year's postseason turned out to be the Phillies. 2006 was all about the Mets. The Mets were going to regain the city of New York and the Twins stampeded into the postseason, winning the division on the final day of the season. Nope! <clears throat> Try again. You know, 2002, I remember in that postseason, the only thing that was clear was that the two best teams in the American League were the Yankees and the Moneyball A's. And after two straight uh, postseasons where the Yankees broke the A's heart, this was going to be the showdown between those two franchises. The absolute showdown. And it was clear that it was going to be a tremendous matchup. Nope! Angels, twins, the teams of destiny, the teams that seem to be, the stars are, had aligned in 1997 for the Orioles and Braves to face off in the World Series, so we got Marlins, Indians. Narratives and teams of destiny, whether or not it's over success or failure, are all retroactive. So are the Mets going to be a great team of failure? Are the Cubs a team of destiny? We're going to look back at this podcast. We're going to review, come back around the first or second day of November and say, Christ, the Mets? What are we talking about? Anyone looking back would realize this was the Dodgers year. Everyone looking back knew that this was going to be the Dodgers' versus the Indians in the World Series. I mean, what were we even discussing? What are we even discussing at this point? Because it all makes sense looking back. Ender and Ciarte. Is it going to be a name that Met fans grind their teeth forever when they hear? Or is he going to be as obscure as John Patterson? Do you remember John Patterson? He hit a dramatic home run for the Giants down the stretch in 1993. And I bet only the biggest diehard Giant fans remember that. So, I don't know. We're going to see what happens. 
these things are always fun for me to look back. And man, I've been cataloging these and it's just bananas going back and, and listening to some of these past podcasts. And I'll look back at this and say, yeah, yeah, we didn't know then. We didn't know then. So go to MLBReports.com to see the up-to-date listings of who owns baseball. Go to SullyBaseball.com. Like me on Facebook, so I have an iTunes, SoundCloud, YouTube, Twitter, Stitcher, Instagram. I'm everywhere. The music is by Ted Thacker and Patrick Kaliski. And now I don't have the energy to tack on an ending about the Dodgers and Giants. Do you know why? Because you already know who won. And for people who will be listening to this years from now, they don't care. Because for all we know, neither the Giants nor the Dodgers even made a dent in the postseason. This has been the Sullivan Baseball Daily Podcast for the 22nd day of September 2016. I'm your host, Paul Francis Sullivan. Please call me Sullivan.